Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. This is Paul. Welcome to another very exciting episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, in which we address the fall finale, the Ooh. mid-season finale of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, well, are we really talking about Star Trek today? We are really talking about Star Trek today, Paul. Yeah. It's it's Star Trekking across the universe. Well, I was going the... to talk about galaxy questing first, though. What? Oh, galaxy questing. Why would we talk about that, Paul? Well, because it's galaxy... derivative. It's derivative, Paul. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, loosely related to Star Trek, um, Galaxy Quest was a movie from the mid to late 90s, maybe early 2000s. At this point, I don't really remember the year it came out. Um, you know, it had Tim Allen's. 90s. Yeah, 90s. 90s. Yeah. yeah, Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman. And uh, featured uh, what was essentially uh, a take on, uh, like a, a parody of the Star Trek original series cast being uh, brought into real life uh, Star ty- Star Trek type missions. Uh, Are we really doing this? Are we really telling explaining Galaxy Quest to people? Well, I don't know. Maybe there are some people who haven't seen it. It seems unusual, but you never know. If, okay. If, yeah, well, you know, you never know. But anyway, for those who don't know, there is an upcoming Galaxy Quest TV series coming out uh, for Amazon. For the Amazon, uh, you know, Prime or whatever you want to call it, service. And so uh, writer Paul Shear was actually talking about it this week, and he revealed that the series will involve two separate sets of characters who adventures will come to who as whose adventures will come together as their stories play out in the series, and um, one of those sets of characters is the uh, characters from the movie. So I'm guessing you know Tim Allen, his TV show got canceled, probably has some free time <laughs> on his hands. Um, you know, obviously they can't get Alan Rickman, but it seems like at least the initial storyline that has been submitted includes a return to uh to the characters from that movie huh yeah were you a fan of galaxy quest aaron i don't know that i'd call myself a fan i enjoyed the movie i thought it was uh i thought it was a it was a quality film and in many respects better than more than a handful of the star trek films uh but yeah i wouldn't i don't know that i call myself a fan like i wouldn't own a galaxy quest t-shirt (laughs) <laughs> well, that's fair. I wouldn't own a Galaxy <laughs> Quest t-shirt, but I would see Galaxy Quest were it on the television. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy the film quite a bit. You know, like yeah. you said, I'm not a fan. I don't even I don't know that anyone's a, a, a t-shirt wearing fan of Galaxy Quest. Do they I don't know. T-shirts for Galaxy I, Quest? No idea. Hmm. No idea. But, you know, the, one of the things I, I recall about that movie is that there is a scene where Tim Allen is fighting a, a giant rock man. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is a scene that William Shatner had written for Star Trek V, but couldn't get the budget for it. And so it's a, 
it's a little amusing and sad all at the same time to see that you know Tim Allen's movie had a big budget uh, and had the sign you know had the writing you know because there was a writer strike going on during the filming of Star Trek V. Um, so kind of had a whole bunch of things going for him that Shatner didn't when he was making his Star Trek film. Yeah, like talent and he did, good writing. Well, you know, I mean, you know, literally, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, Shatner, Shatner visualized that Rockman scene, but he couldn't get the he couldn't get the funding to, to shoot it. So Rockman. very sad. Very sad. Well, you know, it's not sad. Well, I guess it could be sad, depending on how you look at it. So have you heard uh, that Quentin Tarantino, director, Quentin, director, writer, producer, whatever, got that guy, Quentin Tarantino, um, you know, he has said he has stated a number of times that he, he has a plan for 10 movies and then he's out. Right. Then he retires. Um, right. I believe Hateful Eight was his eighth um, based on his calculations. I don't think he's counting four rooms or anything like that. Um, but he he has stated that he would be willing to put that off. And this is not new news. I'm just, you know, finally talking about it on the show. Um, he has stated that he would be willing to put that off for one more movie if he were to get a chance to make a Star Trek movie. Didn't I hear him say the same thing about a Star Wars movie as well? Well, I think he just wants to do something with Star in the name. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to do a Galaxy Quest movie, too. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I would be very curious on his pitch for a Star Trek film. I would, too. You know, I mean, I, I would I would assume because I know he's a fan, right? Yeah. Um, I, I would assume that he wouldn't he wouldn't make it, uh, you know, a farce that it would be a true Star Trek film. And, you know, given that I'd, I'd love to I'd love to know what his pitch is. Well, and no one, I'm not saying I'm green lighting this thing. <laughs> just saying I want to know what his pitch is. You know, given Tarantino's uh, love of the 70s and, and mm -hmm. the 60s, I'd imagine his take would be something heavily inspired by the original series. So, you know, when you when you say that, it puts me in mind of a fan produced film project called Star Trek Continues. Have you ever seen that, Paul? Yes. It is beautiful. And lovingly produced. And I will tell you that many of the scripts are better than a lot of the third season original series scripts. Hmm. Uh, and the special effects and the and the the editing, the production values are just fantastic. Um, I, I'm actually a big fan of Star Trek Continues. I think they just do marvelous work over there. And it's sad that they're 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 wrapping up. They're only got one more uh one more episode uh, to, to go before they're done. But yeah, and the reason why they're, they're stopping is because of the uh, decisions that Paramount and CBS have made about fan films. Yeah. You know, that they will no longer allow episode or movie length fan films that the fan films, I think have to be no more than 15 minutes and they can't use professionals any longer. So on the Star Trek, on the Star Trek continues, they've actually had, uh, you know, actors from the TV shows. Mm -hmm. So like, um, uh, I've suddenly drawn a blank on his name, uh, Delancey, uh, uh John, John Delancey, who, who played Q yeah. was a guest star in one of the movies. Um, you know, and you'll see, you know, many, many different people from the, from, from the different, um, uh, Star Trek television series show up in those things. And, you know, it, it really just beautifully produced and I hate to see it end. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, Here's the thing. We we it it's interesting because Star Wars does embrace the fan film. Uh they 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 have not to my knowledge, they haven't really cracked down on that stuff. I haven't seen a lot of it lately, but um I I I'm sure it's still all out there. So it's interesting that Star Trek 
uh, well, you know, you, it, you know the like reason they would just embrace it. It would help. It would help them. Well, you know the reason why they did, right? Is one of the fan productions went out there onto Kickstarter, yeah, to raise money, and they didn't raise money to pay for actors or sets or special effects. They went out there and raised money to pay themselves salaries and on you know touring and whatnot. Yeah. And and that's when you know the, the powers that be just said, okay, all right, enough's enough. Yeah. You know, we got we have to protect our our IP. And I get that. You know, you can't have people out there making bank on your own stuff. No. And I, I I hate that somebody screwed it up for everybody else. I this is one of those scenarios where I absolutely don't br- don't blame uh you know the the, the big production company for. Uh, for clamping down on that because I, I think it was the right thing to do. I just hate that it had to happen that way. Yeah. Agreed. You know, because yeah. it's, it, like you said, it's, it's one person who ruins it for everyone. You've ruined it. Axon. That's right. That's right. Fucking Axon. Well, instead, well, well, instead, instead you get Star Trek discovery. You get, <laughs> you get, you get space boobs. Space boobs. Space boobs. boobs. <laughs> uh, I, I, so I well, you know, yeah, if well, we they're not already, even good space boobs. No. They're not. They're not. You know, green Orion slave girl space boobs. They're Klingon space boobs. No, it's like a naked Which, rock monster. Yeah, or or a lizard. Right. Yeah, I it, mean, it's just it's a, it's a horrible thing, Paul. It's, it's not even those hot Klingons <laughs> from like the. Uh, you know the, yeah, not, the 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 next generation yeah, days. It's not Lursa and Batur, and 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 it's not uh, it's not uh, Worf's uh, uh, consort. What was her name? Uh, um, I can't remember. Yeah. Kalar. Kalar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you, you don't get the you don't get the good ones. You no. know. I mean, yeah. it, it legit looks like a naked rock monster. And yeah. so, I, I, if we hadn't already set the tone for the show, uh, not the tone, but set the you know had the established. Uh, method of naming each episode of this show after the episode of the Star Trek Discovery show that we're talking about, I would have surely have titled this episode of Star Trek Discovery with Aaron and Polly Space Boobs. <laughs> but instead, instead, Into the Forest I Go, Paul. Yes. So the fall finale of Star Trek Discovery aired this past Sunday. We have seen it. I saw it when it premiered. I, you know, I saw it at 8.30 on the nose. Um, you know, We've already mentioned the inclusion of the first... I don't even, it's, you know, the first pseudo nudity, I guess, in a Star Trek show. And I'm, I think we had some booty in, uh, you know, in the Star Trek Enterprise days or something like that. Right. Uh, yeah. But, you know, this was the, the first uh, topless uh, scene and it was uh, kind of like something out of the movie Species, really. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. And yeah. I, I think it was intended to be. I don't think you're supposed to derive any type of uh, sexual uh, enjoyment from the, the footage well, that they show. Well, I tried, Paul. You yeah, know, I, mean, I, put I, it, I put it on slow-mo and I, I, I went at it. But uh, yeah, I, I, I put it on mute <laughs> and put on some good music. But uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> went at it. Yeah. So this was part two of, uh, of from last week's episode. You know, if you'll recall, last week's episode – uh, you know, we're out there, uh, you know, in the episode, see this Pockham Parabellum. We were out there on the planet Pava and had, had discovered that this planet might be able to help us identify the cloaked Klingon ships. And, uh, you know, that not so much what the planet wanted to do because the planet, it's alive, Paul. The planet, the planet wanted to, you know, invite the Klingons here and let's have a talk. Let's see if we can broker a piece between uh, the Klingon and the Federation. 
And, uh, you know, the Federation had, you know, the, the Star Tra- Starship Discovery had orders to get the H out of there, right? Yeah. Because the, the ship's too valuable to lose to, to the incoming Klingons. And so there's a whole lot of conversation that happens in this episode where, you know, Captain Lorca is like, hey, you know, this is our opportunity to figure some stuff out. We can't go back there to uh, Pava until we have a plan. And the plan is this, Paul. The plan is this, is that first, when the Klingon ship arrives in in, in town, they're going to beam in real quick before they have an opportunity to cloak. And while they're beamed in, they'll plant these two uh, pattern enhancers on the, on the ship, one, you know, in some random room and the other one on the bridge, because that's where it's got to go. Yeah. And, and then as if that's not, not complicated enough, Stamets, you know, that third gates, third stage guild navigator that we've got on starship discovery, uh, is going to jump the ship. I think 133, 137 times, something like that. I believe 133 times around the, uh, the the Klingon ship of the dead and uh, be able to figure out, be able to be able to identify the pattern, if you will, of a cloaked Klingon vessel so that then this cloak technology is completely useless to the Klingons as a tactical advantage across the, the, the front of the war. And so that's where we go. You get Burnham and, and Tyler beam in to uh, to the to the Klingon ship of the dead. And here's my thing. They make a real point, Paul. Made a real point in the show. We've got no time at all. We got it. the minute they 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 warp into the into the system, you got to immediately beam over. So here we get the Klingons, and they warp into the system. And the Klingon uh, commander Cole has this big soliloquy, and then it cuts over to Discovery. Hey, they're here. We got to go. And where are Michael Burnham and Tyler? Are they on the transporter pad ready to go? No, no, they're walking into the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Get on the transporter pad, crouch down. Hey, you ready? You ready? Yeah, we're ready. Beam them over. It seems to me the Klingons had plenty of time to cloak. Yeah. Well, or or shoot Discovery. Yeah. Well, and so they they do right. They do start shooting Discovery. Um, uh-huh. You know, and Discovery you know does all these jumps around the Klingon ship, um, but you know they need to buy more time. Uh, to, to get all these 133 jumps done. Uh, and so what Burnham well, does... Well, they can't, they can't do the jumps until they placed the the uh, pattern enhancers, whatever. Sure. I'm right? jumping ahead a bit. The sensor pods. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am jumping ahead a bit. And we'll, we'll, you know, but I want to come back to the sensor pod situation. So they've placed the <laughs> sensor pods. Discovery's doing all their jumps. Burnham realizes that they... Um, you know, they, they need more time. So, you know, the Klingons and the Discovery doing space battle, you know, things buzzing around and, and lasers shooting all over the place and Discovery bouncing back and forth and doing its thing. And so what Burnham does is she picks a fight with Cole. Cole? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, Cole. Cole. And basically every Klingon in ch- on the bridge of this Klingon ship stops and turns yeah. and watches this fist fight on the bridge between Cole and Burnham. In the middle of a space battle. Well, and, and, and there's this. So she, what she does is, is she, she shoots two of them down, right, to yeah. get their attention. And then as she's talking to Cole and he's up on the upper platform and she's down below. Did you notice the Klingon just kind of standing next to her that if he had had pockets in his pants, that's where his <laughs> hands would have been. He, he's just chilling. Well, did yeah. you notice that? He had a long I'm like, day. I'm like, 
come on <laughs> it was it, why not punch her in the neck <laughs> yeah i was like this is rather ridiculous like yeah. you know the, the, so this whole episode was setting up for them to get the cloaking technology um discovery to get the cloaking technology and and then you know defeat the klingons but it's like the klingons are just sitting there like, yeah just sitting there you know yeah the, the least tactically committed klingons you've ever seen yeah yeah i well and and so when they beamed over, you know, they're, they're going through the ship and, you know, she's looking at her trek and she goes, Hey, there's, there's a human life sign on this ship. And it's right behind this door. We, we, we had to go through this door first. So she and Tyler go through the door. And of course it's Admiral Cornwell, right? Who had been captured by the Klingons a couple of episodes ago. Well, also in the room is Laurel. Is that her name? I believe so. Okay, the 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 lady Klingon who, you know, uh, got, you know, sent down to Klingon into the, the, the Klingon death room where they send everybody to wait to die. And she's in the room and, and that sends Tyler into a, you know, a PTSD, PTSD flashback. Yes. And so that's why why Burnham's got to go up to the bridge all by herself. She doesn't have backup up there. And Cornwall doesn't have the use of her legs. And so she's having to to keep the the Klingons that are trying to, you know, sweep the deck with them, you know, at bay with her with with the one little phaser they've got. It was all it was all very distressing, Paul. Yeah. But, you know, before Stamets does all of these jumps, we find out that each time they make one of these, you know, uh, spore drive jumps, they're learning a little bit about what, Paul? The multiverse. Multiverse. And, of course, Stamets is fascinated by this. And, you know, that's how Lorca convinces him to do this thing is that we're going to gain all of this additional information. And we find out that the work that Stamets is doing, all these different spore drive jumps, not just the ones in this episode, but all the ones prior are doing funky stuff to him. You know, we've noticed some side effects that he hadn't bothered to tell the ship's doctor, a.k.a. his boyfriend. Uh, And, you know. He, you know, he has to finally, you know, the doctor, the captain makes him, you know, go to sick bay and get checked out so that they can document why they're delaying getting back to Starbase 46 as ordered. Yeah. And, uh, you know, doctor finds out there's all kinds of weird stuff going on with his what, Paul? His white matter. Dun, dun, dun. Now, I don't know about you, Paul, but prior to this episode, I'd never heard of something called white matter. I was very familiar with gray matter, but not white matter. How about you, Paul? Well, Stamets is awfully pale. Well, he is awfully pale, but I did not realize that white matter is actually a thing. I looked it up again. Research, Paul. Huh? This is this is how we're going to win a podcasting award. Research, Paul. <laughs> so, <day> now. <laughs> so uh, white matter is the uh, is the tissue in the brain that connects your gray matter. And so it creates, you know, uh, passageways for the axons and neurons and what all in your brain, all the, all the, all the gooey stuff in your brain that does, does, does your think boning. So it's and, kind of like, um, what's that? What's that? Uh, it's the marrow. It's the marrow of the brain. Is that, is certainly. That yeah. yeah, sure. Let's yeah, call it. That. It's the tasty part. It's the that, part that gives the brain. The, it's the, the, the delicious flavor. part of the brain. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, all, right. it's the, all the zombies. That's what they're looking for. But, uh, <laughs> So it was actually a thing. It wasn't just your standard, you know, Trekno babble. It was actually it wasn't a bunch of balonium like you typically get. <laughs> balonium. It was actually yeah. It was actually you know so there was actually a kernel of something there that was trying to make sense. So I I, I was fascinated by that, Paul. I was fascinated by that. <laughs> but uh, you know, 
things don't end so well for our good friend Stamets in this episode. He seems to have some sort of seizure as he tries to do make the last jump home. Which, I mean, let's know, be honest, was so telegraphed. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. I love you. I you know, you. we're going to go I, we're going to go to the opera when we get back. Yeah, yeah we're it's going to be all you all the time, baby. All you all the time. This is this yeah. is my last jump, Captain. This is my my very last one. <laughs> yeah, that was that was some good writing there. Yeah, they, they, they I didn't see that, that coming. They at laid all. it on thick. Yeah, I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah. Now, you know, one of the things in this episode, you know, Tyler has his PTSD PTSD. I keep wanting to say PTSD T the PTSD breakdown. And we see a bunch of images of him recalling the torture, right? Uh, at the hands of, of Klingon lady in white. And, you know, we also see, you know, we see blood, we see gore, we see sex, you know, and her, her, you know, doing the sex to him. And, uh, uh, he, he's messed up by it. You know, he's really messed up. And, you, and you're given to believe that, you know, he drew some of this on himself, that he that he taunted her so that she would want to keep him alive, uh, that he played into some of her sick games because he wanted to be the guy who lived. Right. Yeah. But then there's this other scene. And so he and he and uh, Michael, like a dude, Burnham uh, <laughs> crash out on the couch together. And while he wakes up from from a fever dream. And he wanders down to the brig where no one is. Paul, you've yeah. got your prisoner there. Well, yeah, you're, but you're there's big, locks bad, on it. You got your big bad Klingon prisoner. You don't have a single security guard on deck. Well, I don't know that you really need it, right? I mean, if it's I'm got just that saying, little invisible shield thingy, it's got I the invisible fence. Saying. I mean, if you let your dog out, it's not like you go out and look for the dog. You don't need to guard the dog. The invisible <laughs> fence has it. I'm just saying, worst Klingons. <laughs> worst federation <laughs> it seems like nobody's showing up to do their fucking job paul that's all i'm saying klingon's got one job you blow shit up klingon's got one job you shoot the, the you shoot the starship right yeah and they didn't do that they didn't they, they, they didn't fill in that bubble on the test and what was what do we have to do when we've got our klingon prisoner our high-ranking klingon prisoner you make sure they stay locked up. You make sure that nobody comes in and messes with them. But no, you bring, you know, mind damaged PTSD sufferer, recently tortured guy who hasn't had near the psychological evaluation he's, he should have. In fact, the closest thing he got to a psychological evaluation, Paul, is is the, is the little job that uh, Admiral Cornwell did sitting next to him in Klingon prison. <laughs> I mean, that was the closest thing where she's trying to talk him down from yeah. the tree. Um but no, he comes in, falls down on his knees in front of her. What did you do to me? And she has the creepy answer of, I will never let them hurt you. And then he retreats. Yep. So I've been saying all along, I don't believe that he is a, you know, a physically altered Klingon made to look like a guy. I still don't believe that. Uh, I, I totally do. I, if they do, again, if they do. Riders aren't playing fair. Well, I, I feel like this episode for me has cemented that not only is he a physically altered Klingon, he is also a sleeper agent that hit the, the oh, torture I, and all that I, stuff is at the is what you know, they, they have brainwashed him so good into thinking he's a human that he's human. I do believe he is. He is a sleeper agent. I just am not buying that he's Klingon. Well, I'm just not buying it. When you see his rock penis, <laughs> you'll it, know. Well, I, and it, I, I will say this, it would make sense in the context of the two of them being lovers, right? Yes. That would make sense. 
her what appears to be genuine affection for him would also make sense. Yeah. I just I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that that uh, there hasn't been enough time for something like that to occur. And there's such a physical change between those two actors. Yeah. In such a short amount of time. Yeah. Well, I mean, we say short amount of time, but clearly time has passed in between the events of each episode, right? I mean, Discovery is now well known amongst the fleet. They said Discovery has been on all these missions. I feel like in the span from the first episode, we knew six months had passed between the first and second episodes. Um, However, I feel like we've seen another six months, if not a year pass since then, uh, between the span of these episodes. I feel like we have. It's a year since, since the first two episodes, right? Yes. We know that. It's been a year. We know that Tyler was missing for seven months. Mm-hmm. What we don't know is what was the last time we saw, not to Kuvma, but the other guy, the the albino Klingon. I can't remember his name all of a sudden. Yeah, we don't know what, the last time we saw him versus versus uh, Tyler showing up and what that span of time is. Exactly. That's what I, it feels like a short amount of time. It feels because I think it was probably only an episode or two, but I think in showtime, it was a longer time. I, I strongly feel that they're the same person. I, 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 the only reason I don't is because I just don't think it makes sense for the story, but I would not be surprised to find out that that's the kind of crap that the writers pull. Yeah. I mean, clearly now, it, it, it just, just it, it, for me, it feels, it feels a little, it, it feels telegraphed like the ending of, of this episode. Sure, sure. So we're left at the end of this episode with Discovery being lost, having boldly gone too far, right? Yes. Having having gone where nobody's gone before. And sometimes when you go where no one's gone before, you can't find your way back because no one knows how to tell you to get there, right? Um, they they are out in, in space. Saru, who's got to be the most worthless officer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Everyone on the show is just goddamn worthless. <laughs> he just throws his arms up. I don't know where we are. Oh, not my job. Did somebody want to click the on star? I mean, <laughs> come on. Uh, they don't know where they are. They're, they're amidst some wreckage. Is that, are those Klingon ships? They don't know. Uh, but they're just out somewhere in our galaxy and another galaxy and another universe. We don't know. It, it seems likely that they're in an alternate universe because of what was laid down earlier in the episode that they were mapping the multiverse. Yes. And, uh, you know, so, in, in, in the, in, we did, what we didn't mention is that in this final jump and Stamets final jump, um, you know, he was going to jump them back to Starfleet. Uh, you see Lorca do an override on, uh, on the jump, uh, in a, the, on the blue alert or black alert or whatever the hell they're called. Um, you know, while, while Stamets is doing the jump, you see Lorca hit the override button and cause the issue that has left them now in per, per, perhaps an alternate universe, a mirror universe. Um, however, Aaron, sir, I have to say for all that they put into making that ending seem like this big hearty cliffhanger, it was just the most lukewarm final sequence. <laughs> um, you know, besides the telegraphing of, you know, the, the jump going bad, there was also the fact that, you know, Saru's just like, I don't know where we are. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, and then you zoom out from, from everyone's concerned faces and you see space and it's like, okay, like, yeah, but it, there's I, nothing I, identifiable. It would have been, you know what I was thinking would be great when they were, when they were showed the debris field around them. 
and there was this moment, Paul, where I was like, oh my God, they're, they're, they're at Wolf 359. They're at the, they're, they're at the, the, the graveyard of ships, you know, when they, when they fought the Borg, wouldn't that be cool? It right. Be. Even yeah, in an alternate universe, cause we've never seen the Borg in the mirror universe. Right. Yeah. Um, I was like, that is so fucking cool. And but it's, then it's just, you know, they zoom out and you're like, oh, there's no, nothing identifiable here. I have no idea where these guys are either. Yeah, exactly. I have no <laughs> idea where they are. Either. So basically it was just like, you know, and you know, I was hoping that maybe the wreckage that they were amongst was maybe the wreckage of the alternate universe discovery. Right. Maybe even that we would see some remnants of that. But in essence, it just zoomed out to see that they were in space. And it's like, well, they've been in space the entire fucking time. Right. So, so just what because they don't know where they are doesn't mean I give a shit. Um, you know, like, get, right. tell me where they tell me <laughs> as the audience member yeah, where they give are. me a clue or, hey, present a threat other than we don't know where we are, because, you know, we know what it's like to not know where you are or to be a long way from home. We all experienced seven years of Star Trek Voyager. Yeah. Uh, we're all held hostage. The long, dark tea time of our soul has concluded. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we got Voyager home. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, tell us that. I mean, because let me tell you, I would be totally down for lost in an alter- alternate universe. I would be totally down for that. Um, but give me a threat. Give me something to say, oh, crap, they don't know where they are. They're sensor blind or whatever. And look at that thing coming at them. Yeah, give me that something more than just the space, right? It's just like yeah. a bunch of stars. And, uh, yeah. you know, the only reason I think it's the mirror universe, um, well, besides the threads being set up, is that Jonathan Frakes is directing the episode that, right. um, you know, will will air when we come back. And he has already hinted that the mirror universe is involved. Well, and I, I fully anticipate, because she's been so heavily attached to the show, I, I fully anticipate that we're going to see a mirror universe Captain Giorgio, right? No, oh, yeah, good point. You know, I, I fully expect that. Um, I, I, I guarantee you we're going to see some, uh, you know, props for sale, some some uh, some, you know, Giorgio badges, dinged up badges with all of her information on the backside of it. <laughs> I guarantee you're going to start seeing some of that. Yeah, I can go with my disco <laughs> shirt. So, Paul, yes, we're going to talk in just a moment about what we thought about the episode, you know, where it stands, you know, what we you know, we did. Was it a good episode or not? But I think that this is a good time to take stock of where we are with Star Trek Discovery. We've had nine episodes of Star Trek Discovery, and I know a lot of people are not happy with this show, that it is not Star Trek for them. It doesn't exemplify the the Star Trek ideals. It doesn't have the same uh, level of quality for them that Star Trek has in their minds. And so what I want to do is I want to take stock. And so let's I think it's fair to compare it to Star Trek The Next Generation and where Star Trek Discovery would be in Star Trek's uh, Next Generation's first season. So the first nine episodes yeah. of Star Trek The Next Generation – Again, a two-part uh, pilot episode, just mm-hmm. like Star Trek Discovery. You had Encounter at Farpoint, right? Yes. Uh, the third episode was The Naked Now, in which we find out that uh, Commander Data is fully functional. Um, you have uh, episode four is Code of Honor, in which uh, – <laughs> the, <laughs> the racist episode, in which the famous line, then there will be no vaccine – no peace treaty and no Lieutenant Yar. Um, <laughs> uh, you had the uh, episode five was the last outpost, which is the first time we saw the Ferengi. And I think most of us who saw that episode at that time hoped that it would be the last time we'd see the Ferengi <laughs> because they were just so terrible in that episode. Not at all what they would become in Deep Space Nine. 
Um, we had an episode six where no one has gone before in which we meet the traveler for the first time. And we do kind of think that there's a possibility that Stamets could be an early traveler. Yeah. Uh, so, so you never know there. Number seven was The Lonely Among Us. Uh, number eight was Justice, in which a very young Wesley Crusher is to death for stomping on some flowers. And episode nine was The Battle, in which we see the triumphant return of those Ferengi in a uh, a restored USS Stargazer, Captain Picard's uh, first command. And uh, they, they play some mental mind games with, with, with the Picard. Um, anyway, I think if you stack up Star Trek Discovery against Star Trek The Next Generation's very first nine episodes. Star Trek Discovery is far and away a superior show. I would agree. Because, damn, think those that, were some bad episodes. <laughs> well, and I think you could I, – I, I, I hate to say this, but I think that statement is also true of Deep Space Nine's first season. With the exception of the fact that the first ten minutes of uh, – of the Deep Space Nine pilot are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the remainder of those of those episodes are pretty weak. Um, so my point is, I think we I, I am mostly dissatisfied with Star Trek Discovery overall, um, but I think it's getting better. I think yeah. there are things as as much as I complain about this episode. I do think that they have made some improvements. There were moments of the episode that I thought were really cool, Paul, where Lorca is mapping all the alternate universes. Yeah. And that Lorca is – Lorca says one thing and then he's this also this other guy. You know, there is such a depth to him uh, and you know, the depths that we're going to plumb in Lorca are, are pretty damn dark. Uh, you know, in fact, my guess is, is if we're in an alternate universe here, if we're in a mirror universe, the alternate Lorca is going to come across as dark and shady, but is probably a pretty damn decent guy. Yeah. Whereas this Lorca, and I gotta confess, I like him kind of a lot. <laughs> I think he's my favorite character on the show, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I, I think he, he is a, you know, of, of questionable intent. Um, I, he is not somebody that I would date, my, let, let date my sister because, uh, you know, there's something, there's something super shifty about this guy. Yeah. Um, but I, there are things that I, that I really, you know, I'm like, oh, I kind of like what he's got going on there. And the fact that he has these sec secret scientific explorations of his own, he's not sharing with the rest of his scientific crew because discovery is a ship of exploration. He's not sharing that with those guys. Sarud probably doesn't know about that either. But I mean, what's the point of telling Saru anything? He doesn't know where he is. Yeah, exactly. That guy sucks. So, all that said, Paul. Yes. What'd you think of this episode? This ep I gotta say, um, for all the hardships I give it, I thought the emotional beats of this episode worked. Mm -hmm. um, I thought there were some great character moments for this episode. I, you know, Michael Burnham getting, you know, uh, getting Giorgio's badge, and you know, the Michael Burnham Tyler romance. Yeah, I'm starting to buy it. You know the 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 um, the Tyler stuff with um, you know the the Klingon woman. Uh, you know I liked some of that as well. I, I to your point, Lorca had some great moments. Stamets had some great moments. I, I thought there. I think the character beats are getting better. I thought there were some major writing issues, which we've already addressed. Um, that you know. You, I think they w want you to not get lost in those because they'd rather you focus on the characters, but they were so glaring that it felt right. a little obvious. Um, they even called out to them at one point in the episode. Lorca turns around and he's like, hey, uh, why aren't they shooting at us? 
Right. Yes. Yeah. Why? Why, Lorca? <laughs> why? Yeah. Uh, can nobody do anything over there when the ca- when 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 their commander is talking to somebody? <laughs> yeah. Um, despite its issues, I would put it amongst probably the top three or four episodes of the nine. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think you're right. You know, the, I think some of the characters are starting to work. Um, I like that we're seeing genuine human emotion from Michael Burnham. Yeah. Uh, what I find, you know, she is. She is branded as the lead character in the show, and I'm not sure I believe that. Um, it, it really does seem more of an ensemble cast, you know. Whereas in previous Star Trek iterations, the captains always had the center seat. But I think you could make a case that Stamets is ever bit as much a lead as Michael Burnham. Yeah, I would definitely point. call it an ensemble piece. Yeah, I, I do think it's an ensemble piece, and I do think that. Uh, I, I think there's a struggle for 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 who has the lead. And last piece uh, before we go, Paul, on something I, th- I thought was missing from this episode, and it just seems like they could have given us a minute with it, was that you didn't see Admiral Cornwell again after they beamed over from the Ship of the Dead. No. I mean, there's nothing of her in sickbay. There's nothing of her demanding to go to the bridge, you know, and, and yeah, there's nothing. I... I it makes me – there's so much nothing, it makes me wonder if Lorca didn't do something to her. Well, maybe we'll find you out know, when we get back. St- hey, stuffing her in a closet worked on the Ship of the Dead. Do it here too. Stuff her in a closet. Do it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so Paul. Yes, sir. Are you coming back for the, for the, for, for the show in January? Are you coming I, back? Shit. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm going to make a big jump, Paul. All right. I'm going to make a big jump when the show comes back because I was trying to watch this episode in a hotel this week and uh, the crappy hotel internet kept crashing CBS All Access when it would make the shift to commercial. Um, I, I think they, they like operate on different servers or something. And so every time it would make that shift to commercial, it would crash. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to go for the remainder of the uh, Star Trek season. I'm going to go to the uh, commercial free service. Ah, see, because it's driving me batshit, Paul. Yeah, batshit. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick with the version I have, but I will like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to stay through season one. I, I think I've committed to stay through season one because I would like to see where this goes. Yeah. All right then. All right, folks. Well, Well, hey, I do want to mention that you are probably unlikely to listen to another Star Trek Discovery podcast out there that references space boobs and rock penis. So (laughs) make sure that you share this link with your Star Trek loving friends because they probably want to hear about those things. Well, who doesn't? Who doesn't? That's my question. I I do. I'm going to listen to this podcast just to hear myself talking about it. Just to hear yourself talking about space boobs. Yep. Uh. Bam, that just happened. <laughs> Write that down. Um, so in the off season, uh, we're recording this on uh, November 16th. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the off season, you know, the, we we will definitely be back, um, you know, to talk about some Star Trek, keep the momentum going, not lose the momentum. There's a Star Trek Discovery comic book coming out, and I'm sure some other Star Trek Discovery news and rumors that we can discuss leading up to the, the premiere of the episodes uh, coming back in January. Well, and coming up in the feed in just a matter of weeks, just a few, few short weeks, you will get to hear our all new Star Trek actual play podcast. Very exciting. Super exciting. All right, folks. Well, hey, thank you guys for sticking with us through these uh, 
the first episodes of Star Trek Discovery with Aaron and Polly. And you... keep in mind, keep in mind that we play requests. So, you know, if you if you if you want to hear some something special, if you want to hear us talk about something that, that you in particular want to hear about. Give us a call at 972. <laughs> Give us a call at. <laughs> Go ahead. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, is 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable, ideology of madness surprise. In like the seven years that we've had that phone number, that's the first time I've heard you mess it up. <laughs> Paul, I... It's late. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And on that note, thank you guys for listening. Leave us feedback. Let us know what you want us to talk about. And we will talk to you guys next time. Happy Thanksgiving. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade. 